Meet a member of our leadership team with a powerful story. The Love Times 2 podcast starts now. Welcome to 139, the official podcast of Love Times 2. Here is your host, Mike Victor. Hey, welcome back to the Love Times 2 podcast. We're all about making the world a better place for moms and babies. And this discussion that we're going to have today is just another step on that journey that we're on right now. And, you know, you hear a lot from me on the podcast, but Love Times 2 is building a really solid leadership team that's passionate. It's really passionate about this mission of loving every mom and every baby, no matter what. So over the course of the next few months, I look forward to introducing you as listeners to some of our leadership team, and I hope that as you listen to these interviews that you learn more about why this is really such a big deal for everybody who's involved with this, and you just hear the heart coming through uh, for this mission that uh, we are engaged with, and all of you that are listening, you're part of this mission as well. And uh, today, I'm really honored to introduce you to Darnell Wilson. Darnell, welcome to the podcast. Thank you. It's a pleasure to be here, Mike. Well, Darnell, you know this, but our listeners don't. We're actually testing uh, a, a new source for recording podcast interviews, and actually, we're doing we're doing Plan B because the Plan A test didn't work out so well before we started this discussion. So, uh, right up front, just want to thank you for being the first man up and testing this new system. It could be a disaster, so just bear with me as we uh, give this a try here. Oh, it's my pleasure. Uh, technology is great when it works, right? <laughs> exactly, yeah. And it unfortunately doesn't work all the time, at least not when I touch it anyhow. So, uh, Well, anyways, hey, let's just jump right into this thing because as you heard me say in the intro, uh, really I'm just uh, looking forward to introducing you and some of our other leadership team to listeners to this podcast so they can really get a glimpse into the heart of, of why this matters. Uh, why this matters to each of us as individuals. And you and I first met a few years back at a, I think it was a Truth at Work Leadership Roundtable. Actually, yep. it was the first time that, that yep. you and I met. And since that time, um, you know, you and I have had some good conversations. And I've learned that you have, you really have a pretty incredible story to tell. Um, I'm just going to kind of use that as a big jumping point to jump off here. Uh, would you mind sharing the story? Just uh, what would you like the listeners to know? Sure. So, um, again, my name is Darnell Wilson, and I am a development officer at uh, Shepherd Community Center. And I guess my story starts in uh, Philadelphia, Pennsylvania. Um, a uh, teenage uh, mom ended up having a baby, me, in uh, 1989, and she was not able to care for that baby. And so she uh, made the right decision, in my opinion, and uh, put me up for adoption. And so I was adopted um, into the home of Stephen and Fern Wilson, my uh, parents. Uh, very, very blessed to have been adopted into a Christian home. But um, I just realized how fortunate I am um, because my my um, adopted mother shared a story with me uh, really just a couple of years ago. So after I actually met you, I think I had just been told this story um, my uh, biological mother called the adoption agency and said, hey, I am pregnant again, and I don't know what to do uh, with this baby I have now. Can you please um, uh, contact or give me the information to contact the Wilsons and so they can uh, take this baby as well? And, uh, of course, the adoption agency wasn't able to give out uh, any kind of personal information like that. And so she said, okay, I'm just going to have an abortion. And uh, 
as far as I know, she carried through with that. And um, so I don't know what it was that uh, uh, made her choose life for me, but um, choose to terminate um, the uh, next pregnancy. But I am very thankful for that. And I also realized I just, you know, very narrowly, um, you know, dodged, dodged the bullet, uh, so to speak. And so that, um, knowing that and just knowing how close to home it hit, um, has been a large part of me wanting to get involved with organizations like uh, Love Times Too. Well, uh, tell me a little bit about, I mean, that's a powerful thing that you learned there, obviously. Uh, tell me a little bit about uh, what type of what type of thoughts flooded through you at that moment when you realized that uh, you most likely have a sibling, either a brother or sister, who was aborted. And uh, just, I mean, what goes through your mind at that time? Oh, I mean, uh, it's a bit of a shock, you know, I mean, I was in my mid twenties or late twenties and you just have thoughts like, so did I have a brother or a sister? Um, did we have, uh, the same biological, uh, father, you know, all kinds of questions like, well, if you already had given one child up for adoption, why couldn't you give the other child up for adoption? And so, you know, all of the why, the what ifs. Um, you know, all those questions kind of flood your mind. And then you think, man, like, I, I just wish she would have seen uh, foster care or adoption has um, an option for her. Well, you know, and that brings a question up, uh, Darnell, and I don't know that you and I have had this discussion before. Have you ever met your biological mother? Have you ever had a conversation with her? You know what? I have not. Um, every, I would say every couple of years, I, I uh, do a little bit of search. Um, I think most recently I tried to get on Ancestry. They had a free trial, and I would look there, but I, mean, I didn't know how to. I couldn't even find myself on Ancestry, so obviously I'm not. <laughs> I'm not very capable of of, of uh, that particular software. But um, you know, every couple of years, you know, my interest uh, peaks, and I've got some questions, and so I've I've looked for on on uh, social media, but um, you know. I typically kind of let things, you know, lie where they're at. Um, but uh, I've never met uh, any anybody that was biologically related to me. I've never met. Well, tell me, I mean, at what age were you really cognizant of your adoption? And, uh, you know, did that um, – was, was that something that really had – a large bearing on you growing up or was it something you just took in stride? Uh, I mean, what was that like? Yeah. For you? yeah good question. Um, I think as a, you know, probably around 10 or 11, it started to really dawn on me. Um, you know, up until that point I was in foster care and I mean, I've been in, in a foster home with as many as um, eight foster uh, siblings. And so, life not being necessarily normal wasn't, um, that was my normal, you know? So life was always in flux. There were always people that didn't look like me and didn't sound like me that were my foster brothers and sisters. And so, and so I never really thought about, okay, you know, how are you black, but your mom and dad are white. I mean, obviously I, I knew it, but I, it just didn't really have a have an impact on my day to day. You know, my mom was my mom. My dad was my dad and my siblings all love me just as much as any biological relation. But it probably wasn't until I started to get, uh, towards, uh, puberty or, or adolescence, 
because I felt, um, just felt like I didn't fit, you know, there's, there's, uh, there, there's kind of an idea of, well, this is the way that white people are, or this is the way that black people are. And, you know, here's a black kid who grew up in the country, um, uh, you know, d- doesn't really have any kind of urban influence and people would make remarks, you know, like, oh, like you're the whitest black person I've ever met, which I've always hated that. But, um, I begin to be aware that I just didn't fit in the box that many people created for black people. And so, uh, that was a struggle that really kind of, um, I'm, I'm still working through, you know, my identity in Christ and, uh, just understanding that, uh, who I am is not necessarily where I was raised or, um, who I was raised by, but it's my identity in Christ that, uh, gives me, uh, groundedness. Um, you touched on something there also on older, being an older kid in the foster system. Um, and I know others that have that same story and that same experience. You know, when it comes to the area of adoption, it seems like all the focus tends to all drift towards the adoption of, of newborn babies. And that's one mm-hmm. one. That's what we uh, hope to mm-hmm. advance and that's what we promote as well. But the other part of that story, one of the many other parts of that story, are the kids who end up in foster care and who end up bouncing around from house to house. And and my guess is that like a lot of foster kids, you were in a lot of different homes uh, going up uh, through that system. So um, just from from the perspective of someone who was, you know, you're an older child in the foster system. Did you have those days when you just kind of felt like this is this is my life? I'm never going to have a forever home with somebody who's going to take me in. Well, you know, I, I was only ever in uh, two homes. One as a baby, and then um, the uh, last home I was in was actually the family that adopted me. But they continued to have foster kids after I was adopted. So. There, there really wasn't a real noticeable change for me because um, I, I had foster siblings before I was adopted and I had foster siblings after I was adopted. I do remember being adopted, there being um, a greater sense of stability. And um, I remember my, my mom saying, uh, you're our little boy now. And uh, I said, I thought I was already your little boy. And so, um, my, my parents told me a story about, um, there used to be a practice. I don't know if it's the case now, but, um, you would take your foster children to play dates and basically prospective parents would come and look at the kids play and see if they felt any kind of connection to that being the child that they liked the looks of or, what they had in their mind, and it's um, really kind of a crude practice. I don't know if it's still in place, and uh, they were going to take me to one of these play dates where parents would come and look at the kids and, and, then, and then maybe pick out which one they uh, wanted, and I actually got chicken pox. Wow. And so, um, I, like, right before the event, I had to be quarantined, and uh, that was just a huge answer to prayer because my... my uh, my uh, foster parents wanted to adopt me, but some things hadn't come through, and so they were very nervous that I would go and, and, and you know, somebody would, um, you know, pick me up and want to start the process. And so uh, God's hand's been in it, I mean, all through my life. I, I was telling my wife recently, as I get older, um, I see God at work not, not only in the day-to-day. I, I see him there, too, but from the 30,000-foot view, I see him orchestrating the the uh, path of my life and so very very thankful for 
uh, the chicken pox. <laughs> yeah, well, that's interesting. I've never heard, I've never heard someone thankful for chicken pox before. So <laughs> that's a, that's a unique angle. I'll keep that in mind there. But, um, you know, you've been in the leadership team now for a couple of years. And of course, Love Times too is only a few years old. So you've been around since the very start. You're a founding member of this thing. And oh, wow. you know that we are passionate about changing hearts and minds through Christ. There's tons of, of avenues for political engagement. There's tons of avenues for people to do different stuff in the movement. But you and I, as, as we've walked through this, as our other leaders have walked through this, we really see, we really sense that uh, while those other things are necessary, we must change hearts and minds through Christ if we're really going to win this day for moms and babies. So I know that's a passion for you. Why is it that uh, as you looked at this, as you looked at your time with this, why is this focused on Christ, uh, the focus on Christ that we have through love times too? Why is that so critical in, in your understanding of this mission? Well, I think it's critical because it goes beyond just the scientific argument that a fetus or an embryo is a person, but even beyond that, it is a person made in the image of Christ. It's the Imago Dei. And so um, there's a spark of the divine. There's an intentionality. There is an eternal nature that you were in the thoughts and minds of Christ and he died for you. Um, doesn't matter what side of the womb you're on. And so it takes the argument beyond, well, what is a clump of cells and, you know, how long before um, um, it's acceptable to have an abortion? And it, it, just, it just elevates the entire conversation to a much more significant, eternal level. Um, human beings made in the image of Christ create such a sense of urgency um, and a sense of beauty to the unborn that I think uh, might be missed uh, in the political conversation. Well, I really appreciate the leadership that you've exerted into this effort. And, you know, we have a, we have a lot of exciting stuff uh, coming up. And, of course, as you know, we're really looking for God to do some amazing things. And why would we not expect that? He's an amazing God, and there's Absolutely. nothing that he can't do. Um, I'll tell you what, we're going to wrap it up with this. I'm going to ask you this question. If sure. there's someone listening, let's say there's a young woman listening to this podcast right now, and she is in the same shoes that your biological mother found herself in uh, years ago uh, when you could very easily have been aborted and not – we wouldn't be having this conversation, obviously, today. If you could say something to that young woman who's listening to this podcast right now, as someone whose mom dealt with the same type of scenario, uh, what would that be? I would say to that person, you have options, and God has a plan for this. Um, I mean, even if you just get on any kind of search engine like, like Google and just type in pregnant, don't know what to do, pregnant, scared, go to Love Times 2 resource page, um, there are options for you, and God has a plan for you and this baby. It has nothing to be ashamed of, and um, don't feel pushed to make a decision that, that you may feel like intuitively is wrong, but people are, are trying to convince you that your baby does not matter. Your baby absolutely matters in the same way that you matter to God. Um, you are both have the spark of the divine and God has a plan for both your baby and for you too. And there's options. 
Hey, that's a great word. I appreciate you sharing that. Uh, Darnell, thanks for being on uh, the podcast today. I'm sure we'll hear from you more uh, down the road, but I just want you to know I appreciate your leadership, your involvement with this at the ground level, and uh, thanks for your time to come on today. Oh, my. Thank you for the opportunity. It's a pleasure to serve with you, Mike. Hey, thank you for joining us on the Love Times 2 podcast. To everyone who's listening to this, uh, please share this with your network. Be sure to follow us on Facebook and on Twitter. You can find that at LoveX2ORG. And be a part of this ongoing journey of making the world a better place for moms and babies. And never forget, change the culture and the politics will follow. This has been 139, the official podcast of Love Times 2. Join us in the journey at lovetimes2.org. That's love, the letter X, and the number 2, dot O-R-G. Thanks for listening.